Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, holistic physician. Thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, 88.9 FM, WQCS, and that is National Public Radio, NPR. Uh, We're available via iTunes podcast as well as uh, Public Radio Exchange. And, of course, you can always email me with suggestions or inquiries at uh, drken at drkengray.com. Social media is always an option. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, so forth. And we thank you for your support, attention, and just, you know, the outpouring of uh, continued wonderful guests that we have uh, who are experts in their fields, um, approach life and sharing and uh, all of their expertise with passion and dedication. Um, I have one of, uh, someone I, you know, I hold dear to my heart, someone that has been tirelessly working to fuse the world of um, science, biology, technology together for our benefits. Uh, And when I say our benefits, I say the world at large because he is a global force for this. We have Dr. Niven R. Narain. He is a co-founder and president uh, CEO of Berg. A Boston-based biopharma-driven uh, uh, next-generation drug and diagnostic development uh, company. They they do a lot by combining AI as well as uh, patent-driven biology. Um, I came across his work with the work of uh, pancreatic cancer and Beth Israel Deaconess, and I learned uh, quickly that they Berg was in and his intelligence and brilliance was involved with so much more than just that Um, and now I have him here in the studio which is phenomenal because the last time I had him on the show was via phone and now we get to really have a chit chat about not only where things have gone in in the world of science and biology and technology and artificial intelligence otherwise known as AI but where we can connect it with it together um, as the masses because it really is such a foreign thing. Uh, We get scared of things we don't understand. So I'm happy to have him here so that hopefully we can understand a little bit more and be less fearful and more embracing of something which seems to be very appropriate for our time. Thank you for joining us, sir. Uh, Thank you so much, Dr. Gray. It's really an honor to be with you, as you said, in person. Um, Mm -hmm. It's always, you know, very special and, uh, and much more dynamic, obviously, to be able to um, you know, be, just be with you because this is such as you in your introduction. It's such an important time, but it's also uh, an important issue for society mm-hmm. as we hear about and start to embrace emerging technologies as as it pertains to how they affect our lives. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we you know educate, increase the awareness, and really understand. Um, at a very fundamental and a very right. simple level, right. what it actually means for us and our families. Right. 
Now, relatively speaking, you're still very young for a person doing the dynamic work that you're doing in your field. However, you started as a prodigy even way back, you know, over a decade ago doing some phenomenal work and um, uh, rather working linear, as we call it, in, 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 as far as science is concerned, you started incorporating um, a whole landscape of different ways of looking at the human body and science and physics and <laughs> biology. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. if we can touch on that a little bit just to see where you were coming from. Yeah, no, this is, uh, I was in the midst of my training at the Miller School of Medicine in Miami. And I, at that time, you know, back in the early 2000s, we had just, as a uh, world, we had, we had just sequenced a human genome. Uh, we had really started to understand and appreciate the use and the importance of a, a, a part of the cell called the mitochondria. And mm -hmm. the mitochondria, for all intents and purposes, is really the powerhouse and the right. driver of, our, of every one of our cells right. in, 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 in the body for the most part. And um, we, we started to appreciate that the, the, you know, in diseases like cancer, like diabetes, like neurodegenerative diseases, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, there, there seemed to that point some of the sentinel work had directed us to, to uh, areas of appreciating that in these disease areas, mitochondria seems to be adversely affected. Mm. And by understanding the makeup of the mitochondria, by understanding how it works, it drives, as I, as I mentioned, the, the, the energy, uh, um, the development of energy, the, mm. the, um, the utilization of energy. And as that energy component uh, is is directed as a measure of health and disease. Right. There seems to be a really important interplay with with not only the um, with mitochondria as a whole and the the makeup of the mitochondria, but some really important enzymes. And I had uh, started to concentrate very early on the, if you will, the border system of the cell right. that's that's made up of phospholipids and coenzyme Q10. And we had uh, in our very early work started to um, glean some evidence mm -hmm. that the uh, that redistributing and, uh, and redelivering very highly potent uh, levels of the coenzyme yep. could have an, uh, a positive effect on certain cancers, highly metabolic cancers, yes. but also, you know, wound healing and yeah, diabetes. Supportive care. Yeah. Exactly. And that, I mean, and that's how long ago? That's uh, this, is, uh, this is back in 2000 and three to, to 2005. Right. And your work, you know, it was sort of the the foundation for now the doctors that continue to expand their knowledge because there's some that do and some that don't. <laughs> and <laughs> scientists sure. are the same. I think we're all th that way where we either are ever-seeking or complacent. And uh, But the ever-seeking, you know, which I like to think I'm one of those, you always, it will include now coenzyme Q10 when you're taking certain drugs, especially your uh, cholesterol drugs, yes. which affect the cellular yes. system, you know, the liver tissue. Uh, so now that work is becoming mainstream where you have many brands of co <laughs> CoQ10 yeah. as a supplement, yeah. Um, yeah. which doctors are prescribing. Well, I think what's, what was really in fairness to the, the medical community as a whole yeah. And being, you know, myself more and more classically trained on the allopathic side and the scientific you right. know, perspective, I think that the science that had predated the early 2000s on coenzyme Q10 and, and lots of the other, you know, natural supplements that we're seeing emerge as becoming more 
universally accepted right. as something that's very constructive to to disease. The science was really poor. The, the, even the clinical trials were not well controlled. Mm. Uh, um, some of the, uh, the studies were not very robust. Mm. And it was not only, I think, through the emerging technologies that we have at our disposal now, the, the ability to sequence genomes, the ability to look at proteins and metabolites and lipids and these multi-omics uh, technologies, the ability to use AI mm-hmm. and Bayesian methodologies to bring together these different types of data systems, uh, you know, electronic medical records. Mm-hmm. In the early 2000s, we didn't have multi-omics. No. We did not have mm-hmm. electronic medical no. records. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, to the extent that we do today, the uh, really high throughput mass specs mm-hmm. to really, uh, you know, drive the instrumentation. Yeah. So we so we really are aiming. And may add social media. Social media, exactly. <laughs> Which exactly. is driving the information Absolutely. portal. Absolutely. Yeah. And social media is a part of... Um, and you know, real-world evidence, right. as uh, as we refer to, and, all and almost another form of AI, artificial intelligence, in a way, is how it's operating. And yeah, I think it's it, it's absolutely one of the important imputations. Yeah. You know, as it pertains to even looking at some clinical trials, to yeah. you know, if you know, if if some patients, are, you know, how how are they doing within that community? Are they right. depressed? Do they feel upbeat about mm. a given, you know, regimen, et cetera? So. Um, these types of technologies and data sets just were not available. Right. And I think in looking back, um, I guess me and the team were also very lucky that we uh, developed these concepts and, the, and these visions very early on as these technologies were emerging. Right. So we're able to come up with a very you know dynamic platform, the interrogative right. biology platform, that really brings together these types of, of different data sets from biology right. to um, you know the systems architecture with omics and clinical, and then use AI to bring those those data sets together. But it's also helping us give more credence and more scientific uh, credibility and and clinical utility with these types of molecules that, for the most part, the world had had dismissed right. as well. You know, look. I really don't understand the mechanism. I don't understand how this really works. The science is really poor. And for the mainstream community, exactly, in medicine, they just, you know, if it's not uh, well controlled and if if you don't have, you know, well controlled. it's not accepted, yeah. It has to be fact-based. It has to go through the, you know, the whole program (laughs) to be accepted. And in fairness, I mean, we have to, as we, we have a moral responsibility as we deliver drugs and technologies to individuals. We need to ensure that science is done with the, the highest level of quality, right. reproducibility, you know, robustness. So I think what's happened is that in the past 10 to 15 years, we've, we've had the capacity now to employ these types of technologies right. to give rise, to give, to give voice, to give credence right. to these types of molecules. So that leads me to some of the, the current state of affairs, which we're hearing a lot about what artificial intelligence is allowing us to do and uh, what in particular Berg biotech who if you're just tuning in we're here with uh, Dr. Niven Arnarain CEO and co-founder of Berg biotech one of the world's leading uh, foremost authorities in the fusion of artificial intelligence and uh, <laughs> and science um, and health um, so Right now, we're looking at how does this allow you to do more and do more better? 
is really what we're, the question is, because artificial intelligence as itself is what? I mean, what is that? Yeah, no, and I think it's that, you know, you know thanks, uh, Dr. Gray, for asking that question, because that's a fundamental question that right. we all need to take a time out and we need to take a, a step back. Right. Because as if we look back in history, emerging sexy technologies that have come and created these, you know, these... Uh, a dynamic a capability to change the world. When you look at the internet, there was some right. early fear because of a misunderstanding and a misgivings right. around what exactly the internet can do. Right. Simple things like a navigation system, etc. Yeah. Who used it? Who who adopted to it more easily? But now we're talking about a tool, AI, that is essentially is mathematics. Right. So what Berg has done is taken biology. You know, we put. You know, for all of those out there who we all have loved ones who are afflicted by given diseases, we don't have the time and the capacity to wait the 12 years and 2.6 billion on average it takes to create a drug. Right. So what we've done is is uh, is basically crowdsource innovation in a manner that allows the best minds from the leading universities. You know, we work you know very closely with. Harvard, with, with Stanford, with Oxford, mm -hmm. et cetera. We work with the, you know, within the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, and, and other agencies, Genomics England over in the U.K. What the objective is is to crowdsource a mindset and a uh, um, an expertise at the very beginning of what we do, apply technology mm -hmm. and biology to that. But, you know, back to your question about AI, AI is really math. Right. So it's it's really algorithms that are yeah. put forth on a supercompute capability, and um, you know whether it's on an Amazon cloud services or you know what by using the, the the a massive amount of compute capability to bring together large data sets mm -hmm. and analyze these large data sets to find you know given patterns and they're d and they're different types of AI. Okay. You know I think that we we we, we uh, use a broad uh, stroke. But, you know, neural uh, AI, for example, is really, you know, learning from priors. Mm -hmm. So machine learning is e exactly what it is, is learning from the data that's fed into that system, mm -hmm. the history and the components to find patterns so that you can look at specific correlations. Right. And we need to also define and separate correlation versus causation mm -hmm. because there are other types of algorithms like, be like Bayesian you know, mathematics mm -hmm. that is more geared toward finding a causal relationship, you know, much more than a, a correlation. So what Berg, you know, made a conscious uh, a choice to to use Bayesian mathematics because we wanted to not be biased. Right. You know, we, we you know finding correlations is is uh, it's important, but at the end of the day, when you're dealing with with health and disease, you want to find what is the root cause of something? So right. what is a gene or a protein that's gone wrong? And I think it's also important just as a community to, to for us to realize, you know, being an early early mover and an early adopter and, uh, you know, early, um, you know, leaders in the, in, in the field of AI and medicine, one thing that as we step back responsibly mm -hmm. uh, and ethically as, as we look back at uh, how this has all emerged, AI is not a, it's not the cure. It's not this, this magic wand. It's a tool. AI is a tool. Right. And I think we need to, to recognize, be humble about the fact that there's so much biology that, w that, that is unknown. Right. There is, you know, you know diseases, um, 
that, you know, for example, you know, certain viruses, certain cancers, these diseases are constantly mutating. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can't rest on our laurels. We can't look at biology at uh, one slice in time. We, right. we need to look at how we sample, you know, um, over time, you know, what we refer to as longitudinal sampling mm -hmm. um, in, in, in the community because it's important for us to, uh, to step back and understand that this is an enabler. Mm -hmm. As you say, this is a, the, the perfect word. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the end all. It's really important for us to um, start with biology, but also go back to biology. And actually, right. it's one of the, uh, the taglines that we use at Berg is, we, we, you know, we're taking this, this back to biology right. approach because you want to iterate, you know, back from the, 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 the dry lab, which is the in silico mm -hmm. AI models that are built from the patient derived biology that, that the, yeah. and the models in, uh, and the models that we develop right and but, you know my, sorry to interrupt but yeah. my takeaway and, and it's kind of going along with what you're saying from my visits to Berg my conversations with you other scientists at Berg and you know other physicians in the application of this is one of the things that work against us as human beings in the fight against disease is time and information and I, I completely agree. So what it seems like you're doing is you're helping to put that in perspective because the science is there, the intelligence is there, but time and information when you're fighting against something that's constantly mutating, and that's what people don't realize with, you know, when it comes to the cancer cell and how, you know, how many times I treat a patient going through chemotherapy and different immunotherapies, yes. and what they say is I have to change because... The cancer yes. got smart. Right, <laughs> right, right, exactly. And that is, yeah. it's, I'm, I'm not laughing because it's funny, but yeah. it's, it's, it's funny, it's a bad way, but, yeah. but it's real. The cancer is, got smart. Real. Yes. So, so we as human beings working against these diseases have to be smarter. So the only thing we have on, so that we put the time and information on our side. Oh, absolutely. Right? I, I mean, that, that's where the artificial intelligence yeah. and the mathematics and these, algorithms that help to sort of it's almost like okay the cancer's going to go here so we got to be there which that's, is that's if, right. I'm, I'm using sign language here but basically on no, the other side exactly of that eight right. ball we I, have to be ahead of the eight ball i think you're exactly right and yeah. i think the example that you give um that i know i know most of the listeners here at, at some point are familiar with immuno oncology yeah. yeah and we now are, are at our at a point in cancer where we can safely say that there's some really successful avenues of, of targeting the immune system mm -hmm. to treat cancer. Right. But the immune system is all is always uh, emerging, right. and uh, um, as as we uh, you know evolve as individuals, the cancer is constantly right. mutating. Right. So what we're seeing in in this this new area of how we approach cancer. Uh, um, you know, you know, learning the circuitry in the networks. You know, learning mm -hmm. how different mm -hmm. immune cells mm -hmm. are going to re react in different environments. Right. Um, you know, you know, one of the areas that we focus on at Berg is, is metabolism. Yes. Is cancer yes. cell metabolism, yeah. which is is literally the fuel that the cancer is right. is operating on. And that's a factor that was not is just overlooked for. You for know, a long for, time, for decades. You know, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. been it, it's been almost a century. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's yeah. been undulating. You know, you know, back yeah. and forth. But yeah. but Otto Wardberg. You know, uh, you know, you know, back in the uh, early early 1900s, you know, really identified this this unique mechanism to say that cancer cells switch to fuel. Mm. That instead of um, only uh, like a normal cell, for the most part, depending on glucose, the cancer cell 
decides to become less e- efficient and actually operates on lactate, mm. which uh, is you know when we are, we're tired after a long workout and you feel that that burn in your muscles, that's yeah. lactate. Right. And uh, I always use the Usain Bolt example. You know, in the first ten to twenty meters, he's using tons of glucose. Right. But he need, as he needs that last charge, his his muscles actually can't uh, the the capacity of the muscles can't keep up under uh, uh, um, the stress the, the, the stress in yeah. the first like 30 40 meters right so the muscles have to actually switch to using right that lactate and that's the whole metabolism yeah. aspect exactly. of how his whole system works under stress in the environment how it was raised how, I mean there's so many that's factors. exactly right and and right. so it you imagine you know that last charge to, right. to cross that finish line right. That's now flipped in what the same fuel a cancer wants to operate on. Mm. So what Berg is doing is reshifting that back to making a cancer cell mm-hmm. you um, operate in an oxidative environment, right. operate by using more glucose, and that's the you know that's one of the the hallmark approaches that we're taking, um, and seeing how that combines with certain chemotherapies, see how it combines with immunotherapy. Right, right. But the only way that we can do that intelligibly in a data driven manner. Mm-hmm is by using AI because it helps us to find the circuitry and the pivot points and really the architecture of the system itself. And that's what's really unique because we're able to do that across different diseases like um, you know Alzheimer's and Mm -hmm, Parkinson's mm -hmm, where we don't have that capacity to really even understand as like you know we we do at a more a much more fundamental level understand cancer mechanisms in neurodegeneration like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's we're still trying to populate that knowledge base right. because there's so many factors exactly you know exactly. Uh, and I understand that and I because I deal with it and I have to treat yeah. people of all different types and there's sure. no one sure. thing you can put your finger on um, now uh, you know with these diseases and the success you're having in research development um, fusing the technologies, bringing them to where you can operate and, and work with hospitals and see real results. Any particular stories come to mind? Yeah, I mean, there's there's really a few. I mean, our focus areas are, as I, as I mentioned, is really highly metabolic cancers like pancreatic and right. brain cancers. And we have some studies ongoing with Harvard and Mayo and uh, um, our brain cancer study at uh, at Stanford. Uh, I would, I mean, over the years, there's some very, some very special stories, but I think one that really, you know, because we're, you know, like you, you know, Dr. Ken, we are in this every day. We yeah. got our heads down. Yeah. We just are we're just showing up, you know, <laughs> we're just we're doing the work and right? using yeah. our tools. Yeah. And, 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 uh, uh, it's not often that you actually take the time to step back and say, okay, where's it all going and, and what, and what does it all mean? just for society as a whole right. from the perspective of a father or a child or a, a mom Son, yeah, yeah. and it's really nice when you know you're able to see great responses on on trials in pancreatic cancer or a father live longer because of your drug mm-hmm. who's been on a clinical trial so you yeah. can go to a wedding yeah. uh and you know you hear the stories all come back and it, it, it adds that human component back to what we do to say look we're using these fancy sexy technology is right. but at the end of the day who are we serving right we're serving human beings we're serving you know people with different psychologies and different emotions and different uh um you know you, you know levels of of uh um of of interest 
you know, given where they are in, in, yeah. in, 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 a, in a disease process, and especially when one is given an, a disease diagnosis that they're faced with the end of life, everything just gets accelerated. Right. It accelerates their perspective. It accelerates our perspective. It creates much more urgency uh, for us to just, you know, go faster and how much more can we do and how can we use this data much more fundamentally in a, in a much more robust way. And you mentioned the uh, Project Survival with Dr. Jim Moser mm -hmm. uh, at, at Beth Israel. And I know, you know, you have been such a key part of that work also. That project really is seeking to diagnose a, a pancreatic much more early um, in the disease process, which can help us get ahead. Right. So instead of diagnosing someone when it's so advanced, it's still in the early stages. Right. That fundamentally can change the paradigm in the face of how that disease is, is measured. Same thing with brain cancer, mm -hmm. finding the biomarkers so we can get ahead of, of diagnoses, you know, you know, give folks uh, a chance to live longer, yeah. give these drugs a chance right. to... to um, have a better outcome because you're getting to the patients much earlier. Right. And this is, I mean, this is happening. I've, you know, I've attended and um, been part of construction of, of talks and meetings, obviously, with you, met you through the Alliance of Families Fighting sure. Pancreatic yes. Cancer, which is comprised mostly of, you know, people who have either had family members who yes. passed or now we have survivors of probably right. about nine years, yeah. 10 years due to this work with Dr. Jim Moser and by way of your yeah. research yeah. <laughs> development. Yeah. So it's real. And it's changing. It is. And, and it's it, shifting. Yeah. And it's a multi-tiered approach, which can only be really constructed by incorporating all of these mega tools of artificial intelligence, science, technology, and the heart that you bring to the matter. Uh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. But it's yeah. also, you know, you know, working with folks like yourself to yeah. constantly remind us yeah. that, you know, it's really easy to get engrossed and embedded with, with the technical components of what yeah. we do because... Yeah. That's the daily life. Yeah. But the ability to bring together these types of data, the ability to work in these teams that we all come from different backgrounds, we're all looking at the problem from a different perspective, and it allows us to take a much more honest and dynamic approach to how we tackle disease. Yes. And, you know, for the greater good, you know, absolutely, we have a, now a real capacity and a real ability to affect patients and yes. uh, improve, improve health outcomes in society. Perfect. Well, thank you, Dr. Niven Arnarain. This has been a phenomenal and enlightening, and uh, it's inspired hope in me, and I hope all of our listeners that will continue to thank listen. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Yeah, thank and you. so I would urge you all out there to uh, definitely look up Berg Biotech, look up uh, Beth Israel Deaconess, look up Alliance of Families Fighting Pancreatic Cancer. You know, not that the, the focus is pancreatic cancer, but that, that is one of the sectors which is, has been very difficult Absolutely. A lot of families and a lot of people suffering. So there are answers. There are updates. And we urge you to keep uh, the hope and um, stay in touch. This has been another Maximum Health Radio Quality Living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. See you next time. Well, it's all just scared of dying. But isn't this a beat? And if I know one thing at all, is I cannot just be a beat. Oh, you're coming all woke now So please enjoy the feast We are weightless like a weightless beast So what is it we don't teach? When we were children, we were hell-bent 
terrified. 